Podcasting Network. Okay, welcome podcasters. Um, this is our jazz part, but even though today I'm going to play something, a ballad uh, related to our theme in the podcast show, with what is this thing called love? This is a beautiful uh, Richard Rogers Lawrence Hart tune um, from way back. It's from a movie, uh, Paramount Pictures called Mississippi, way back in 1935. This ballad was the theme song of that movie. One, two, uh, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Life Lessons with Jim Carolla and Ray Oldhofer. Okay, guys, how you doing? Okay. Uh, and you're here, okay? Uh, Jim, count to five for me. One, two, three, four, five. Raymond, count to three for me. 
One, two, three. Just trying to make it easier on you. Four, five. Nice. Hey, look at that, Jim. I counted to five. All right, gentlemen, you can start whenever you like. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome, podcasters. Well, I think we're on our third um, song for our theme, our third podcast for our theme, What Is This Thing Called Love? So we're taking Paul Cole Porter's uh, theme, so the song that he's written, and we're trying to see a little bit more about um, this thing called love. We, all, we already said that the psychiatrists, the therapists, and the philosophers, and the novelists all have something to say about it. But love seems to somehow um, um, miss, they miss it. They call them pieces of it, but Love, uh, love in the end has the final say. Hey, Jim, how was, um, I mean, you know a lot about Cole Porter? Uh, like his no, personal, I mean, wh- how was his love life? Out of curiosity. Well, he was married for many years. <clears throat> and a woman that stayed devoted to him, so he, um, she knew he had a, uh, a uh, gay lover, uh, um, that he had a relationship with, but she really loved him. And no matter, even though he he was uh, uh, had a homosexual relationship for most of his life, also he did both, and she knew it from the beginning. And but she didn't leave him, and she stayed with him to the very end of his life. A very productive life. Is a very sophisticated guy. A very social, and. Pound for pound. No stone unturned. <laughs> pound for pound what? <laughs> pound for pound, he was one of the best writers of music. Um, of all the, all the great ones at that time, of um, um, Irving Berlin and uh, others that I can't think of now. Um, so this guy, the, Cole Porter, had uh, a gay lover for most of his adult life, uh, uh, along with having a beard of a wife? Or was, did they have kids or anything like that? I don't think so. I am not, I'm not sure about that, though. I don't think so. There was a movie I made about him, and uh, you know, a regular uh, studio-made movie, and I forget who played him, about four or five years ago. Um, did they? Did they have? Was it true to life, or did they embellish and not mention sir? Like, because I know Edward Albee wrote um, "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf?" That was actually about two men, not you know Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think they did. But I actually didn't. I don't know why I didn't see it. I saw parts of it, I think, on television. I wanted to hear. His music, um, he had the he had the talent to not only write the music, but also the lyrics, um, and that's that's very rare that that talent. Even the great ones like Richard Rogers and uh, others, they all had lyricists, but he did his own lyrics. So he was a very very talented guy. Hey, okay. that that yeah. movie was in um, 2004. It was called "The Lovely." That's right, "The Lovely." That's one of his songs. 
Um, Kevin Klein, I'll play Cole Porter. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I like Kevin Klein. So I do a good job on that. All right, I, I'm going to cover a few areas today. And I thought about, first place, um, the cosmic dimensions of love and the human dimensions of love. And I'm going to say they're related. The cosmologist, one of, I forget which one, he, he mentioned about four or five terms that he thought pretty much um, were the forces of the universe, creation of the universe. And the first one he said was centration, C-N-T-R-A-T-I-O-N, which means a real uh, centering upon itself, the elements uh, the, and all the forces in the universe be coming together enough that they're coming together and they're beginning to be creative. They're creating things now. Centration, galaxies, and so on. So, so a process began to occur where there's enough centering of the forces to begin for creation. And for couples, um, the centers on the relationship is very strong at the beginning, just like in the universe, fueled by passion. Um, so the center of attention and interest and the unknown parts of ourselves all come together just like the forces that uh, happened in the universe, and then we got to begin to see what are, what are what are we made up of a, as a couple. So centration is the first. The next one they said was allurement, allurement, electromagnetic interactions. Allurement now is allurement. Not, yeah, A L L U R M E N T. Allurement, an attraction, uh, electromagnetic interaction um, for continuation. Things had to continue. One thing had to lead to another. Um, and that allurement is very much in relationship too. The beginning is, we, there has to be some feeling of attraction and a pull towards each other. And that's the beginning. And I'm saying that that's very similar in the dimensions of consciousness, in the dimensions of, uh, of cosmic, of of uh, love in the cosmic universe. And now the third one would be homeostasis, the way we retain and maintain the structure of a relationship. So first, the allurement, the passion, and so forth has to have us come together. Then some kind of structure has to begin to form for the relationship to continue on. In the universe, for example, a neutron will disintegrate in a few minutes. But brought into relationship um, uh, um, with a proton in that environment, that could last a million years. So something that would just last a few minutes by itself in relationship lasts billions of years. And in other words, they use a synergy, the power um, the power of the relationship, the ener one energy that meets another energy, um, and, and uh, the holding together of that, um, the power of the relationship. Pieces have to come together, and will, will there be a, a synergy that will hold those different parts of the personality and ego? Will they be able to hold together? 
And another one they use is cataclysm. The universe uh, systematically breaks apart for other parts to be created. So it's like as though often um, the universe comes to a fork in the road and there's a difficulty and there's options at the fork in the road. Either transmute into a new, uh, something new in the universe or evaporate from the story. So when these forces are coming together, there's a place where they're cooking and kind of decide, something's deciding within these forces whether going on as is or a breaking apart. And the universe offers these cataclysms, these great explosions. And some from, now it's the same thing with relationships. There's cataclysms that go through in relationship. Now, is there enough that, um, uh, that um, we could go through it together? Will it hold together? Is there enough interrelatedness, the power of integration and integrity and connectivity in our own existence to have a sustained love? So I'm, I'm saying the universe, those names for that and something we go through as well for ourselves. So, so you're saying that if you're in a, um, a relationship or if you're in love and it's, it's got some depth, that it's essentially mirroring, mir- mirroring the um, cosmos. Yeah, I'm saying this, you know, it's a far out thing I'm doing, but I'm saying I So that see, means it's directly g- re- linked to God. I mean, you could say, right? Well, directly linked to forces um, that are beyond our understanding. And they affect humanity just the way they affect um, the dimensions of uh, the cosmic world. So there's forces afoot that are touching everything. We can't see them. We call them intro, um, intramagnetic interactions. We give them all different names. We call it falling in love with couples. But they seem to be related, as I see it. Something's happening on all fronts. And there's a creation happening all the time. The same thing in the human world. They're you know, coming from elements of the, at the sea, uh, in the ocean, microscopic things eventually being a human being. So it's um, um, cosmos is working through us and using some of the same words. Hey, that, Jim, with, yeah. the, so, with the same words, we got a, a word from um, Amazon. Okay, let it go. Hey, everybody, if you shop at Amazon.com, like I don't, but you probably do, you know how convenient it is, and you know what great deals you get always. If you want to support the show, and I hope you do, every time you shop at Amazon, use the Amazon link on our site to get there. You support us with every purchase. You can even bookmark it, and we really appreciate it. Unbeatable convenience, amazing prices, great shipping rates, I love Amazon.com just because they support us, and I hope you do too. So please do. Thanks, Amazon. Okay, so we had our commercial. Um, I'm just going through some terms what I'm calling cosmic dimensions of love. That's just something I'm saying. and I'm reaching different kinds of things. I'm up to one now called radiance. The universe is radiant. The power of its radiance is an expression which the universe cannot contain in its magnificence. It is compelled to express it through these great flares and explosions and suns 
And boy, isn't that much like falling in love? <laughs> the very beginning of falling in love, I'm saying it's like the radiance of the universe. Um, you want to share your person, you bring them home, you take them to friends, you go all different. There's a, there's a kind of radiance of falling in love. And the magnificence of the universe is spilling out with this radiance, too. It's like you're showing, it's like you have a, a, a shiny coin. Almost. I mean, it's like it's just, it exudes. Yeah. Like yeah. a fireball. Yeah, so <clears throat> I thought I'd try that little thing. I don't know if anybody else has ever done that, but I, I, I see some of the similarities. And also, humanity is not the last rung of this earthly creation. You know, we, we feel it is because we think, you know, we're the highest so far, and maybe there'll never be anything else. But the quality of love between couples to participate in the event of an almost like an I'm saying that there'll be a new species someday. It'll be beyond the way we went from the primate, Homo sapiens, and human beings, and so on. In other words, let's keep the uh, the evolutions keep going. We're not the final thing, and we have a chance to participate. Wait, wait. What are you going to name it? What are you going to call it? I'm not. Yeah, yeah, do it, because we got to coin that phrase now. we got podcasters, so what are we going to... We're homo sapien to what? I'm just calling it... Homo supreme. All right, give it that if you want. But I'm just calling it, say, a new uh, kind of a species of higher consciousness. And um, we could participate in that consciously if we... um, do the work, what we call the love of work. Um, you know, that makes sense, too, on another, at another level, because, you know, you have that census and everything, and what are you, you know, what am I called, Anglo-Saxon or whatever, you know, like I'm a white guy, right? In 100, 200 years, you, you're not going to have that anymore. It's going to be, you know, all that stuff's going to be erased, Essentially, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, well, there'll be different races, so and they'll be named. But whether we get to the point, <clears throat> but it's not going to be recognizable like as much as well. I don't know, but you know, of Amerasian, you have you know, it's going to be a melting pot. That uh, that's possible. That the, the creating the new species it doesn't even mean that um, uh, we won't look in human form. But we, we would advance so high that we don't even begin to um, um, appear to be like by what was to be a human. It's like even now on Earth, the difference of states of being in human beings, it was just 2011, um, 1211, um, you can see there's people that are very high in creativity and intelligence, and we can see there are people that are just very low in any creativity. So there's great variations already. And so as, as we continue to go in that direction, the variation will even get greater. It's almost as though we can call it a new species. It went so far, raising in the consciousness. So in the couple's world, I'm going to say that there's a holy encounter uh, between two people, when you meet someone, remember, it's a it's like um, a potential 
encounter, holy, I call it. As you see him, you will see yourself. As you see her, she will see herself. As you treat him, you will treat yourself. Never forget, you will find yourself or lose yourself or learn about yourself according to how the relationship can, can go. If you see your loved one, that's the way you're going to begin to feel about yourself. And vice versa, if that works that way. In other words, there's like a molding of selves going on. You're beginning to see more. You're willing to go to important places to see more. One of the things in couples is also that a couple needs first place, a place, a place to learn about each other, to um, a place that to explore to explore but the place has to be safe enough for the couple to take chances and go deeper that's a very important part the safety and couples will not go there if they don't feel it's safe they will hedge and they will not go to very important places because they feel they couldn't take they couldn't take it they wouldn't be safe and even though they don't even know what the material is they're not a, there's not enough safety in the relationship for them to go there or like because of the way i was the way i grew up you you you're yeah. in fear of being exploited right or being you know shown up or or you know, being made, made fun of. Exactly. No, that's, that's a good example, right? So if we look at our own homes now, the things we saw in our, in our families and so forth, um, more than likely we didn't see much of that. So we, when we come out into the world in another relationship, we're carrying material that's dangerous or unknown inside us and we can't open ourselves to someone unless we feel a safety to go through whatever emotion is called forth. The safety to get through emotions that we're even afraid of, but to go, whatever's called in us, to go forth in that way. Not to think only of, the, of ourselves just individually also, uh, and to begin to see that we're a couple and think of, us, think of us as a team. But that first part of safety is very important. Now, that's where therapy could be a great help. So in the therapist's office, a couple could come and the therapist could act as a kind of a mediator or safe grounds where their own grounds they don't feel that safe. In other words, when they get quarreling together and there's no, no mediation at all, um, they, they fear that and they stop and in a certain place they won't go. But in the office, the, the therapist could help to touch 
safe territory, even though it's in the office, safe territory for them to taste and feel and say, ah, this is possible. We did come out with some of that uh, difficult emotions that were growing. And we called them forth and they came in here. And we began to name them. And they weren't so fearful anymore. That's a great use of therapy. Yeah, it, uh, uh, it happens too. Yeah, uh, particularly with therapists that um, you know are, can understand this dynamic and uh, act as a safe place. And also, so now there's a safe place. Now we can go f- deeper. We can call forth those emotions that we're not sure. They're in the perimeter of ourselves, the shadows, the unconscious, the agendas that our family gave over to us that we don't don't even know. Um, We feel the same. There's a place where we almost begin to get close to saying to um, a woman or a man the things my father and mother never said to each other. Hey, Jim, can I ask a question? Yeah. So I've done a little therapy before, but always the one-on-one thing. And I I understand the idea of a safe place in the office. And it's kind of nice to be able to say something that you know will stay in confidence. But I've always wondered about the couples thing because you hear people talk about creating a safe environment for the couples to be able to talk about things that might be volatile if it was just in the home, you know. But the thing that I've never gotten is when that hour's over or whatever the session is, you're still walking out into the street with that person, and everything you guys said in that office was still said. So is it really, does it really provide that much of a safe ground that both people are able to kind of let it go when you leave? Okay. No, it's not that they let it go. It's that they've touched something that could have been dangerous. And the fear and the danger that stopped us from doing it is now out. Will they return to it? Yeah. They'll return to it, but... It's like anything else. If you've actually been through it and you've experienced it and you've survived, somehow you're more ready for it. So they'll go back and the quarreling will begin. Um, relationships almost have to quarrel. They can't totally eradicate that. But it won't be so terrible. It you won't know, be you, dangerous. You suffer, it's peat and repeat, and you know it so well, and then it gets exposed at a little deeper level and then you're, you're just not buying it as much. Like it doesn't, it doesn't count for as much as it did before. Yeah, I guess that, that actually makes a lot of sense. All right, thank you. You know, like you're not calling somebody a, a name again and again and then, you know, then you recognize it and it doesn't have the, the power that it once had. Cool. Thank you, guys. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense to you, does it? No, you hate women we, anyway. Don't worry uh, about it. Well, you know, I wear their sho- <laughs> I wear their shoes, as you like to point out. Yeah, but, you uh, know, uh, that, Gary wears espadrilles, Jim. Gary wears toms. <laughs> thank you very much, which <laughs> help kids in need in poor countries. Yes, it does make sense to me. I guess you know if uh, you know if one thing is particularly hurtful to one party, and you know you can make the your, your partner aware of it, then you know the next time maybe they'll think twice about. And the the odd thing about it is who you're hurting. Yeah, you're hurting. Exactly. You're kind of hurting your partner, you, which is half of yourself. You know. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Very informative. Okay. So we're. Gary going... got nervous. Did you hear him there at the end? Hmm. He got nervous. We're we're pointing out some important dynamics within relationship. Another one is intentional listening, or speaking to another. Well, you really 
feel a presence and an intentionality in yourself. And you attend to another person in a, in a, in a deep way. You give them a chance to talk. Um, you have patience. Uh, um, that's one of the centers of gravity of the work of love. We're talking now about the work of love. We're coming together and we're full of uh, um, uh, uh, unknown things in ourselves. And then when you meet someone, but the idea, can we go to important places together? Is that possible for us? Um, then we're able to let out something. And one way is this intentional uh, listening. Conscious attending, where you quiet yourself allow the other to finish their thought and you receive. The capacity to receive, that's a big one. Can I receive? Even though when the person is saying it, um, it may be setting off all kinds of feelings in myself. So the quality and degree of presence we take is very important. Intentional consciousness and listening. You know, like for me, with the the in, intentions on listening, I, I um, like I know from my past, like I, I have a tendency to derail stuff, you know, or or make a joke, or you know, get it off topic because it's too painful to let in at a level, you know. Mm. So. You know, and I see that in yeah. my behavior sometimes. Or, you know, I used to have it a, a lot. I used to run the day. But um, of late, you know, and, and working with you, you can really, you can nip it in the bud. You can see it coming down the street, and you don't have to let it mm -hmm. run the show. You know, and, and um, it makes your palms sweat, you know, when you get, when you're able to get out there and you're able to, you're able to put put your stuff down and actually take someone else in or even let something be known about yourself and be listened to. It, it's amazing where it can take you. Yeah. There's a chance for something to get rolling that wouldn't get rolling <clears throat> if they were going to cut it off and and uh, just to get into your defensive, defensive mode. So we're trying for some inner growth and we need assistance from each other. And what do we do about the, the emotions of the ego? Now that's going to come into the relationship. The emotions of the ego. Give an example. Please. Um, well, um, agitation, uh, impatience, um, defense of all kinds, angers and can you can you do so one forth. can you do one like when you do the couple because I think those are really good examples like when you play both parts. Oh, oh um, I can't think of anything at this moment. Um, oh yeah, no, no, I know what you're talking about, but I don't feel at this moment. Um, anyway, so we're, we're, we're saying that the, the ego part of us 
though it's important and we need a pretty good ego to to kind of get uh, get going in life, but it's also used for power. So when couples need to some recognize that are we trying to outdo each other in some way, win. Are we I able? told you I was right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You should always listen to me. Right. Now we're varying to be right and emphasize ourselves. Um, and there's a way to, for a couple, almost to create a third. Almost like a capacity of mind of both of us to step back. To be independent of, of the egoic emotions. So as we begin to hear them, and we begin to listen both to ourselves and to my other, so we're able to step back, almost have a witness, a watch person inside us, begin to, we're stepping back a little bit from the power of that wanting to be right no matter what, and we're able to watch it. And I'm saying that a couple can create a third where they watch that together, and they, be, and they both begin to know that. Um, what would be the, the example of the third when it comes to the um, like the cosmos you know that you were relating to earlier well I, the cosmos I don't have one about a particular thing in mind with that but um, there's forces what would be a third force um, and I, I don't I don't know the physics well enough to say that. There's different laws, the laws of three, there's different kinds of laws, and um, and whether the, uh, I'm, I'm sure, well, the law of three would be the forces that exert itself, there's a force that comes back and resists it, and there's a third force that um, allows these two to come together, a neutralizing Neutral. force. That might, so the, the, the law of three of something put into motion. As it goes into motion, it runs into resistance. Um, and then there's a third force that um, neutralizes that. Another, it goes to another place. Um, that's the closest I can, I can get to it. Okay. Okay. Um, I also, let's see how we do. Oh, okay. You know, I'm coming to the end. Okay, we're going to wind our first session up today because we're doing two sessions. I'm going on vacation next week. We're going to San Diego, um, Lynn and I, for three or four days. So we're doing an extra show today. Okay, so let's, let's, um, let's end the first one up. I think what are we, we're, we're going to do the... Make the quarter oh. note feel good. Are we going to scat? Two. A one, little bit. Two, three. Okay, folks, we're coming to the end of the first of our, you hear a nice little rhythm section in the background. Uh, my, my rhythm section, I call them. But, um, so today we talked so how to, how to the dimensions of uh, the cosmic, dimensions of love of the cosmos and how they relate to dimensions of love of a couple. It's a little far out, and I think there are some that, something um, to that. Um, Bringing the universe to you. Yeah. Um, 
So that we have that uh, together. Then we talked about different levels of um, couples interaction, and we talked about uh, safety. That's one of the most important things. A couple feeling safe enough to work out important things, and if they're not safe, they won't work it out. And then the last, and we made the point about therapy being a place, a space you can begin to work that out. So that's what we covered in the first one. And, um, all right, now in the meantime, we'll do a little scat to go off and a blues. Ja-ba-doo-ba-da-boop. Yeah, right, do that one. Yeah, Ray, Ray got that right on the button. He's getting better at this. He's going to hear it. Um, here, let's see if we have time for another one. Here we go. Beep, beep, boop. the show on Twitter at LLWJC or email us at Jim Carolla at AdamCarolla.com. Got a lot to learn. Why? Well, don't you think I'm trying not to learn? Since this is the perfect spot to learn. Well, you just teach me tonight. 
starting with the ABC of it, right down to the XYZ of it. Help me solve the mystery of it. Teach me, teach me tonight. The skies a blackboard high above you. If a shooting star goes by, I'll use that star to write I love you. A thousand times across the sky, one thing is very, very clear, my love. Should the teacher stand so near, my love? Graduation's almost here, my love. Teach me to do not. Network.